Welcome to Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. This podcast series is compiled from Dr. Whitney's university class entitled Justifying Beliefs. The thesis of this class is that we all hold beliefs, and no matter what they are or how deeply we adhere to them, we owe it to ourselves to apply rational testing of our beliefs in order to aim to justify them. This class takes us along that journey, perhaps for the first time or more deeply. For further insights and materials mentioned in this series, please refer to the resource page on Facebook entitled Thinking with Dr. Barry Whitney. If there is a God, if religion is real, which, you know, I think it is. I mean, that doesn't mean everybody has to be a theologian and put away everything else and study these things, but it certainly merits a little more time than watching Friends on TV or the uh, Big Brother. I mean, this, in, in the scale of importance, is right up there as the most important facet of life. In fact, the question, is there a God or not, it makes a difference. Ask an atheist who doesn't believe in God fundamental question of human life. If there isn't a God, doesn't believe in an afterlife, doesn't believe in a soul, doesn't believe that there are ethical values except what we discover through evolution or whatever, there's no meaning in that. This is why one famous atheist said the only real question is whether I should kill myself or not. That's what happens when you reduce the world to meaninglessness. I'm not going to do it here right now, but maybe in the God and Atheism class, it's easy to make an argument that if there is no God, it is all meaningless. And then the question would be, can you live with that? See, one of the tests is called the pragmatic test, as we'll see. And that means, is your belief livable? Can you live with that belief? Can you literally say, life is meaningless. I don't believe in anything except myself. I've turned me into my own God. I don't need anything but me. And that means, is your belief livable? Can you live with that belief? Can you literally say, tell me that isn't meaningless. You are in charge of your universe. There's nothing when you die except you just disappearing. Atheists admit that. They actually say, like Camus, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. These are major atheists. Sigmund Freud, Darwin, the major atheists who have formed this atheistic culture admit that life is meaningless, but pretend there's meaning. Sartre said, Jean-Paul Sartre, the French existentialist, basically said, what you should do, even though life is completely meaningless, join a club, like join a group and, and try to find some temporary meaning in that. Camus' example, you, you know the famous story, right? That rolling the rock up the hill. That's what life is for, for Camus. You roll a, rock, a boulder up a hill until you get to the top and then it falls down again and you basically spend your life rolling the boulder up. It's all meaningless. Justify the belief. That's, that's what we're trying to do. We'll do it with some test cases. Like there's actually things you can say about whether there's life after death. There are things you can say, by the way, about God's existence, uh, whether there's a God or not. Those are our test cases. And, and uh, there's, there's, you can say things about whether the Bible is trustworthy. I, I've only picked those, and everything is fluid in my mind, but I've, I've picked those simply as test cases because those are the ones I know best. Most cultures go down down the tubes historically, after studying 21 cultures, one, one great mind told us that usually it's the ethics that goes and the religious beliefs become all over the board. That sounds familiar, but it's, it's ethically. And the people who say that we're on the verge if we don't wake up and, and think about that cultures collapse from internal rot, ethical and moral 
and religious rot rather than being, you know, uh, conquered by somebody else. Like a lot of people think American culture is on the decline. Why it's changing is, is our story. It's not just because of the rise of science and, and the rise of an alternative. There's all kinds of things. For instance, there's always been a mystical tradition and in Western culture. And there's always been Eastern religions like Hinduism and Buddhism. And they, in the 60s, uh, along with atheism and all of this, I mean, they've influenced this culture. That's where a lot of New Age spirituality comes from. It's, 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 it's Hinduism, it's Buddhism, it's Taoism, and it's Western mysticism. It's a, it's a protest against traditional religion in the West and traditional science in the West. It, it, there's all kinds of stuff going on in this culture. All kinds of stuff. The stats say there's some terrible, shocking things. Not, not terrible in the sense, but just horrific changes in, in the last 50 years. In, and, and you can see it in the age, age groups. I wish we could spend the rest of the term on that kind of stuff. Go discipline by discipline, English, literature, history, philosophy, and just see what postmodernism is doing there. It's easy to do it in the movies and other things, in music. The music, by the way, is, well, I better not start. Postmodernism is complex. There's, it's fun stuff. I mean, it, because it's all familiar. Blade Runner was the first one, and then Pulp Fiction, and then we haven't looked back since then. It's a whole different way to approach reality without absolutes, without truth. Now, when I say without truth, I mean traditional truth. That, that's worth clarifying. There are new truths now, but those truths are personal. We are going to have all kinds of different beliefs until we set some rules. I think you should be able to defend it because nobody wants to believe in something that's irrational. Nobody wants to believe surely in something that's non-rational. Science has, a, has us convinced Scientism has us convinced that we can't justify beliefs. I don't know if that's the way to go. I think if that were true, then I think we're in trouble. If we just believe whatever we want to believe, then I think we would have a cultural chaos. And a lot of people are not only predicting are in a cultural chaos within limits, but that it's American and North American culture. The decline of Western culture. This has been written about for the last 20 or 30 years that ethically and spiritually we're it's not just multiculturalism that's the issue. It's, it's more than that. It's more foundational. The very basis of whether there is a truth is being questioned. Whether there is an ethical truth or a religious truth. It's like anybody can do whatever they want within limit. That, that can destroy a culture. I don't know if the answer is it's certainly not dictatorship and it's certainly not more government, whatever. I think it's education, quite frankly. And I think it's a change in attitude about one simple question. That's all we care about here. Do we? You could even call that a question rather than a, than a command. Do we have to justify our beliefs? By the way, I just changed the title of this class. It was called Philosophy of Religion. And I thought that was a little vague. So now I thought maybe, well, what we actually do there is to try to look at some religious beliefs and see how they're justified, how they're proven. And proven doesn't mean completely, but how they're justified, how, how the evidence weighs for and against. For God's existence, for instance, there are five or six major proofs for God, evidence for it and the evidence against and the criticisms against. That's what we all have to do with what we believe or else I think we are free-floating. I'm convinced that the people who write about cultural chaos and cultural decline are right. It's a very complicated issue, but it seems to me that we're far too diverse. We need a far far more cohesion. We need, a, we need to agree for whatever 
hot issue you have. It's rational, and that's what that that's why we have science in this culture, and that's a good thing. That's why it didn't develop in, in the same way it has. That's why the West has led in science. It's basically because it it's followed laws of logic. We can violate the law of non-contradiction, which says you can't be both God and not God. There can't be a God and not a God. By the way, the Eastern philosophies are more than happy to say it's a paradox. You can have both, but not in the West. Our culture has been Aristotelian logic. That's why it didn't develop in, in the same way it has. That's why the West has led in science, followed laws of logic. But they're still facing those things logically rather than mystically. Now, do they all have their own good point? There are good points in all things, but uh, you know what that argument leads? It, it, this, is, this is subjectivism and relativism, that everybody's right in their own way, and there's good points in everybody. This is why when you ask teenagers and you ask young people whether there was a Holocaust, most of them now, over 50%, say, I don't, I don't believe there was. I don't think we could have done that. I mean, the bones are there for Pete's sake. Whatever we're exposed to changes us. The people we talk to, the books we read, the things we hear, every, everything somehow affects us. Most of it we can shuffle off as meaningless, but sometimes those peripheral beliefs and even the core beliefs can be shaken. Like, you know, some Christians, I'll give you an example. It's called the Da Vinci Code. Um, this is an anti-Christian, just basically harangue that ha that scholars just, Shake their heads about people who have studied their whole life on, on issues like this just say, this thing is just a story. It has absolutely nothing to do with reality. And yet, people who are Christians out there, I, I've already had dozens of students tell me they're just reading this thing and finding it absolutely fascinating. Of course it's fascinating. It's a great story. It just doesn't happen to be true. Selling books because publishers love controversy. You know, I watch the good scholars go to university presses they have less than 1% of the books on the market. But if anybody says, like, Jesus was a pagan god or Jesus was the last pharaoh, this stuff sells. It's, a, it's an anti-Christian, quite frankly, it's an anti-religious culture. I haven't made the word, when I say it's an anti-religious culture, I'm talking about traditional religion. This culture is not anti-spiritual. There's a lot of spirituality here. And you know where it comes from? We had the security of traditional religion in this culture until science disrupted that with its challenges of belief in God and the soul and the afterlife. There was a tremendous gap in, in most people's spiritual lives. There still is. If traditional religion is wrong and if science is right, we are just meaningless, physics and chemistry. Traditional religion and traditional science, these competing worldviews, are now faced with a third worldview, you know, which is basically New Age spirituality, which is giving us all kinds of options. And what that does is, I think it's filling the void that science created in, in, in this culture's minds. Uh, science supposedly just destroyed belief in God, and now we believe in spirituality. There's a big difference. I almost used a book for one of my classes, but I, I can mention that book in case some of you want to see a good scholar's uh, view. It's called Spiritual But Not Religious, um, and it goes through the history of Western spirituality. Uh, it didn't just start with the New Age. It's been here for hundreds of years. Uh, there's always been this undercurrent of mysticism and experiencing God, and it, it's very close to Eastern religions. It's always been. Now, Jews, Christians, and Muslims are not too pleased with this. And, and 
Quite frankly, Christians and Muslims alone make up 55% of the world. So I'm saying that what's happening in this culture, there are an awful lot of people that don't agree with it. All I'm asking you to do is to say whatever you believe, even if it's atheism, it doesn't even have to be a religion, even though this is a religion class. Whatever you believe, ask yourself, like Sire asks you, is he right that I believe this because of sociology or psychology? Was I just born into this belief? Or is, it more, is there more to it than that? And I really hope you'll see, yes, I was born into this. And yes, it does make me feel good. And yes, there are really religious reasons or whatever for what I believe. But there's more to it. I think I have a responsibility to, my, to myself, I want you to say, to justify, to think about my belief. But I don't mean absolute proof. I just mean think about what you believe, because what you believe may be different from somebody else. It's not about me, it's about you, and it's not about the person beside you. It's what you believe. I want you to focus in, because quite frankly, I didn't start the class with the worldview question, but it's a lot easier than to talk about religion. But everybody has some basic beliefs, but usually they're unconscious. Not in everybody, but they're un, unchallenged, they're assumptions, that we've never really thought about them. They kind of change. They flow. If it's true, if, as a lot of people think, and I, I'm one of them, that religion and religious beliefs are the most important thing in life, I think we owe it to ourselves, you individually. You don't even have to say it or write it, but just think about what you individually believe. Is there more to the question? It's a two-part question. Why do we believe what we believe? And you're going to see that the answer is really simple. And all you have to do is tell me there's 25 answers in the first six chapters. Sociological, psychological, religious, and philosophical. There's a biological answer, too, that they throw in because the scientists say that we believe what we believe because we're determined by our genes. So that's an answer that's in this culture. That's step number one. It's pure, elementary exposition. I believe what I believe because of it wasn't my fault. I, I just believe this, and somebody else believes something different because of our culture, because it makes me feel good psychologically, because it gives me meaning and identity. All of that's valid, but that's not our question. Our question is, granted you believe what you believe for all these different 25 reasons, are you justified in believing it? What can you do to convince yourself? If you, I mean, you know you believe what you believe. We're all pretty firm in our beliefs, but how do we talk to ourselves about how do you deal with the doubt? How do you deal with somebody else believes something else and they just don't get me? I can't communicate with them. How do you justify what you believe? I'm saying the only way you and I can talk is to talk with these tests. Like we have to agree that our belief shouldn't contradict itself. Our belief should be coherent with other beliefs that we believe in. Like, you know, a Christian's got a problem. Let me give you some examples. Like just one. Christians say it's very hard to believe that, that God would allow so much suffering in the world. Other people would say it's very hard to believe that God has given us free will when God supposedly determines everything. It looks like Christianity, for instance, has some serious issues that it has to answer. See, if I say I believe in Christianity and you legitimately say, well, why would your God, if your God's so loving, cause or allow so much suffering? I better have an answer to, for myself as well as for you if you ask. That's all I'm saying you should do. If you believe that there is no good or there is no evil, that it's all just part of some cosmic whole, that's all right. 
But there are authorities in that somewhere that you should call upon. Like you need something more than just feeling. Is all I'm saying. Justifying beliefs is saying I'm not satisfied with just believing. Why should you believe that? Then most of us haven't thought about that. That's the thesis. We haven't thought about what we believe. And you know, religion's a, is a hot button, but ethically maybe it's easier to deal with if you say I'm not sure what to do about euthanasia. Whether we should help people die if they want to. Just, a, I mean, if you're a Christian or a Muslim, you've got some reasons for being for or against that belief. We've convinced ourselves we can't compete with science. Science sees things. It proves things. But how do you do that in religion? We gave up and we said, well, we just believe. We just believe. And we don't have to prove it because we know we're, that, that our belief is true. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't crack it in academia. You have to have some reasons. You have to do some arguments. You have to you have to convince the skeptics and, and next door that religious belief isn't just some faith, but it's faith that's reasonable, that it isn't irrational. It may not be scientifically provable, but there's other ways to prove things. And we certainly can't prove religion scientifically, but that doesn't mean we have to give up and say we all we need is just faith. I know I'm fighting against the grain because it, it's tough. It's a tough thing. That's what theologians do for a living is we justify what we believe. And I just want to share that method with you. That's all. Okay, because I think it's important. That's how we discuss things because we have so many different beliefs. And we can only do it by having some set rules and, and, and respecting each other, but also asking good questions to each other and forcing ourselves to answer them. It may not be scientifically provable, but there's other ways to prove things. And we certainly can't prove religion scientifically, but that doesn't mean we have to give up and say we all we need is just faith. But I just want you to ask yourself the question, is that enough? Because if it isn't enough, you could be wasting your time here. I don't know. I want to say, I know why I believe, but when a scientist friend of mine says, well, you have no, you have no argument for, you religious people have, have no logic. You don't use arguments. We scientists have the truth because we can back it up. I'm challenged by that. I always was. I, that's why I teach philosophy of religion. That's what that, this is. This is philosophical defense of religious belief. That's what philosophy of religion does. When it's taught by a theologian, if it's taught by a philosopher who's an atheist, by the way, at this university, and there are several among other, like you have to be aware of who's teaching. Because quite frankly, if anybody says I have a bias, I could simply say who, ha who doesn't? Who doesn't? I'm telling you mine. I'm, I'm trained here to have an open mind. Like, I'm always aware of new evidence. All I'm saying is I think the method works. Instead of just being biased and closed-minded all your life, saying, I believe, I don't need to prove it. Yes, you do. You've got an atheistic culture out there. Almost every other class you take is going to be a challenge to religious belief. And if you mention the Quran or the Bible or that you're religious or New Age spirituality or anything else, they're going to think you're a fanatic. You don't talk about these things in other classes. You're talking about psychology. You're talking about history. And I mean, at some stage, you have to have a chance to think about it. You have to justify it. Tell them, I don't believe these things just because they feel good. I believe these things because I have reasons. Or else I think we're, we're selling ourselves short. It's no wonder people don't take religion seriously in this culture. And when I say people, I mean the elite. What, why don't they take us seriously, the scientists? Simple answer is we don't take the trouble to defend ourselves. This class is an argument against faithism. Not faith. We need faith. Faithism means all I need is faith. 
I don't have to even, I can believe the most outrageous things without any proof, without any argument. What's to stop anybody then from believing anything? We need faith, but uh, faith, faithism is a problem in my mind. Uh, it's always been a problem for theologians. It's like giving up the fight and saying, okay, you scientists have arguments, but religion's just a separate thing. It's a private thing. That's exactly what's happened in this culture. We've convinced ourselves we can't compete with science. Science sees things. It proves things. But how do you do that in religion? We gave up and we said, well, we just believe. I, I think you've seen the word apologetic. It doesn't mean an apology, like I'm sorry. It means a defense. Now, it doesn't matter what everybody has an apologetic. There are Muslim sites on the web and there are Christian sites. There are Jewish sites. There are atheistic sites. They're all apologetics. We've got a lot of people out there on the web who are trying to show you that what they believe is valid. So what we're going to do is the same thing. We're going to, we're, I think we're going to have better methods than a lot of these people use. Um, I, I, I think we have better tests. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us for the next episode as the journey of justifying beliefs continues.